Chapter Eleven of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. A House by the Churchyard, Chapter Eleven. Some talk about the haunted house being as i suppose only old women's tales old sally always attended her young mistress while she prepared for bed not that lilius required help for she had the spirit of neatness and a joyous gentle alacrity and only troubled the good old creature enough to prevent her thinking herself grown old and useless sally in her quiet way was garrulous and she had all sorts of old-world tales of wonder and adventure to which lilius often went pleasantly to sleep but there was no danger while old sally sat knitting there by the fire and the sound of the rector's mounting upon his chairs as was his wont and taking down and putting up his books in the study beneath though muffled and faint gave evidence that the good and loving influence was awake and busy old sally was telling her young mistress who sometimes listened with a smile and sometimes lost a good five minutes together on her gentle prattle how the young gentleman mr mervyn had taken that awful old haunted habitation the tiled house beyond at valley Fermit, and was going to stay there and wondered no one had told him of the mysterious dangers of that desolate mansion it stood by a lonely bend of the narrow road lilius had often looked upon the short straight grass-grown avenue with an awful curiosity at the old house which he had learned in childhood to fear as the abode of shadowy tenants and unearthly dangers there are people sally nowadays who call themselves freethinkers and don't believe in anything even in ghosts said lilius ah then the place he's stoppin in now miss lily will soon cure him of free thinkin if the half they say about it is true answered sally but i don't say mind he's a free thinker for i don't know anything of mr murphin but if he be not he must be very brave or very good indeed i know sally i should be horribly afraid indeed to sleep in it myself answered lilius with a cosy little shudder as the aerial image of the old house for a moment stood before her with its peculiar malign sacred and skulking aspect as if it had drawn back in shame and guilt under the melancholy old elms among the tall hemlock and nettles and now sally i'm safe in bed stir the fire my old darling for although it was the first week in may the night was frosty and tell me all about the tiled house again and frighten me out of my wits so good old sally whose faith in such matters was a religion went off over the well-known ground in a gentle little amble sometimes subsiding into a walk as she approached some special horror and pulling up altogether that is to say suspending her knitting and looking with a mysterious nod 
at her young mistress in the four-poster or lowering her voice to a sort of whisper when the crisis came so she told her how when the neighbors hired the orchard that ran up to the windows at the back of the house the dogs they kept there used to howl so wildly and wolfishly all night among the trees and prowl under the walls of the house so dejectedly that they were fain to open the door and let them in at last and indeed small need was there for dogs for no one young or old dared go near the orchard after nightfall no the burnished golden pippins that peeped through the leaves in the western rays of evening and made the mouths of the bally firmet schoolboys water glowed undisturbed in the morning sunbeams and secure in the mysterious tutelage of the night smiled coyly on their predatory longings and this was no fanciful reserve and avoidance mick daly when he had the orchard used to sleep in the loft over the kitchen and he swore that within five or six weeks while he lodged there he twice saw the same thing and that was a lady in a hood and a loose dress her head drooping and her finger on her lip walking in silence among the crooked stems with a little child by the hand who ran smiling and skipping beside her and the widow cresswell once met them at nightfall on the path through the orchard to the back door and she did not know what it was until she saw the men looking at one another as she told it it's often she told it to me said old sally and how she came on them all of a sudden at the turn of the path just by the thick clump of alder trees and how she stopped thinking it was some lady that had a right to be there and how they went by as swift as the shadow of a cloud though she only seemed to be walking slow enough and the little child pulling by her arm this way and that way and took no notice of her nor even raised her head though she stopped and curtsied and old dalton don't you remember old dalton miss lily i think i do the old man who limped and wore the old black wig yes indeed akushla so he did see how well she remembers that was by a kick of one of the earl's horses he was groom there resumed sally he used to be troubled with hearing the very sounds his master used to make to bring him and old oliver to the door when he came back late it was only on very dark nights when there was no moon they used to hear all of a sudden the whimpering and scraping of dogs at the hall door and the sound of the whistle and the light stroke across the window with the lash of the whip just like as if the earl himself may his poor soul find rest was there first the wind did stop like you'd be holding your breath then came these sounds they knew so well 
and when they made no sign of stirring or opening the door the wind would begin again with such a hoo hoo oo oo hi you'd think it was laughing and crying and hooting all at once here old sally's tale and her knitting ceased for a moment as if she were listening to the wind outside the haunted precincts of the tiled house and she took up her parable again the very night he met his death in england old oliver the butler was listening to dalton for dalton was a scholar reading the letter that came to him through the post that day telling him to get things ready for his troubles were nearly over and he expected to be with them again in a few days and maybe almost as soon as the letter and sure enough while he was reading there comes a frightful rattle at the window like someone all in a tremble trying to shake it open and the earl's voice as they both conceited cries from outside let me in let me in let me in it's him says the butler tis so be dad says dalton and they both looked at the windy and at one another and then back again overjoyed in a sort of a way and frightened all at once old oliver was bad with the rheumatiz so away goes dalton to the hall door and he calls who's there and no answer maybe says dalton to himself tis what he's rid round to the back door so to the back door with him and there he shouts again and no answer and not a sound outside and he began to feel queer and to the hall door with him back again who's there do you hear who's there he shouts and receives no answer still i'll open the door at any rate says he maybe it's what he's made his escape for they knew all about his troubles and wants to get in without noise so praying all the time for his mind misgave him it might not be all right he shifts the bars and unlocks the door but neither man woman nor child nor horse nor any living shape was standing there only something or other slipped into the house close by his leg it might be a dog or something that way he could not tell for he only seen it for a moment with the corner of his eye and it went in just like as if it belonged to the place he could not see which way it went up or down but the house was never a happy one or a quiet house after and dalton bangs the hall door and he took a sort of a turn and a trembling and back with him to oliver the butler looking as white as the blank leaf of his master's letter that was between his finger and thumb what is it what is it says the butler catching his crutch like a weapon 
fastening his eyes on dalton's white face and growing almost as pale himself the master's dead says dalton and so he was signs on it after the turn she got by what she seen in the orchard when she came to know the truth of what it was jinny cresswell you may be sure did not stay there an hour longer than she could help and she began to take notice of things she did not mind before such as when she went into the big bedroom over the hall that the lord used to sleep in whenever she went in at one door the other door used to be pulled too very quick as if someone avoiding her was getting out in haste but the thing that frightened her most was just this that sometimes she used to find a long straight mark from the head to the foot of her bed as if twas made by something heavy lying there and the place where it was used to feel warm as if whoever it was they only left it as she came into the room but the worst of all was poor kitty haplin the young woman that died of what she seen her mother said it was how she was kept awake all the night with the walking about of someone in the next room tumbling about boxes and pulling over drawers and talking and sighing to himself and she poor thing wishing to go asleep and wondering who it could be when in he comes a fine man in a sort of loose silk morning dress and no wig but a velvet cap on and to the windy with him quiet and easy and she makes a turn in the bed to let him know there was someone there thinking he'd go away but instead of that over he comes to the side of the bed looking very bad and says something to her but his speech was thick and chokin like a dummy's that'd be trying to spake and she grew very frightened and says she i ask your honour's pardon sir but i can't hear you right and with that he stretches up his neck nigh out of his cravat turning his face up towards the ceiling and grace between us and harm his throat was cut across and wide open she seen no more but dropped in a dead faint in the bed and back to her mother with her in the morning and she never swallowed bit or sup more only she just sat by the fire holding her mother's hand crying and trembling and peeping over her shoulder and starting with every sound till she took the fever and died poor thing not five weeks after and so on and on and on flowed the stream of old sally's narrative while lilius dropped into dreamless sleep and then the story-teller stole away to her own tidy bedroom and innocent slumbers End of chapter 11 Recording by John Brandon